This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hi, I'm Fran Garrett, Director of Global Markets Risk and Securities Lending at RMA. And today I'm joined again by Kevin Oden, founder and managing partner of Kevin D. Oden and Associates, and also the managing director of RMA's Model Validation Consortium. In this installment of the monthly podcast series on credit risk and model risk management, we'll focus on the importance of SIM, which is the standard initial margin model, its impact on some financial institutions, the complexities of SIM and how it performed during the pandemic, as well as model validation issues associated with SIM. Kevin, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you, Fran. So for the first question, we'll start off with uh, some market participants may not be familiar with SIM. Can you give us a brief introduction to SIM and why it's important? Absolutely. So Fran, the global financial crisis revealed many weaknesses in the financial system. One of them related to counterparty risk management of derivatives. In particular, there was a wide range of practice related to OTC or over-the-counter derivatives, which at the time was the largest part of the market. And in particular around the allocation of initial margin and variation margin. uh, We all may remember there were large losses sustained by institutions in the financial crisis due to insufficient margin and mispriced collateral. So in order to minimize these risks, Regulators around the globe decided to to first clear all standardized derivatives derivatives at central counterparties, or CCBs, in order to mitigate that counterparty risk represented by bilateral trading. Secondly, these non-standardized derivatives that were unsuitable for central clearing, they would remain bilaterally traded, but would be subject to initial margin and variation margin requirements in order to protect each counterparty from the failure of the other. This is where the standard initial margin model or SIM comes into play. Regulators further decided that initial margin and variation margin models needed to be conservative and approved by the regulators. This led ISDA to develop a SIM, uh, a standard initial margin model to satisfy these requirements. The ISDA SIM is a parametric sensitivities-based or Delta, Vega, the Greeks, VAR model calibrated to market data and historical stress periods. The model is made consistent with BCBS IOSCO margin requirements to achieve an initial margin capable of covering a margin requirement to a 90, a margin requirement to a 99% degree of confidence given a 10-day margin period of risk. So although uh, ISDA SIM specifies these various formulas, uh, their order of operation in summation, and all of the risk weights associated with, let's say, correlation parameters. So in order to calculate SIM initial margin, users are required to calculate and input Greeks in accordance with the ISDA SIM specifications and the format. So for example, ISDA specifies precisely the tenors required for interest rate bucketing, Um, but in order to get the the sensitivities at that bucket, um, the the firm has to 
create uh, deltas, gammas, vegas, et cetera, in order to uh, compute SIM. So that's, uh, that was more than a brief background, um, but um, that's essentially what SIM uh, is. Great, thanks for that background, Kevin. And which institutions are required to adhere to SIM? And is there any you know, insight that you can add? Yeah, so there was a scoping in over a period of time for institutions that uh, uh, have to adhere to SIM. So uh, first, to determine whether an institution is in scope or out of scope for SIM, uh, each institution has to calculate it what's something called a double uh, A or average aggregate notional amount. And it's an average aggregate notional amount of non-cleared OTC derivatives. So if that double ANA exceeds a certain threshold over a certain period of time, then an institution is in scope or out of scope. In the US, it's a daily average over a three month period. In the first wave, which was in 2016, uh, that AA NA in the United States had to be over $3 trillion. So that scoped in uh, the largest institutions, the JP Morgans, et cetera. And the second wave in 2017 was about, it was 2.25 trillion. And the third wave in 2018, institutions with more than 1.5 trillion in uh, AA NA. And then the fourth wave in 2019, it was institutions with more than 750 billion. Really critical in 2020, um, the, 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 the scope in or the fifth wave was 8 billion, which scopes in a lot of institutions, um, some community banks as well. So that was, a, that, that was a critical turning point because it scoped in a lot of institutions. Great, and can a financial institution develop its own SIM? That's a great question. And, and the answer is yes, they can. Um, but their SIM needs to be, uh, their initial margin model needs to be approved by the regulators. Um, moreover, um, it's difficult for smaller firms to maintain the, uh, the model development and technical support though for, uh, for, for these calculations. Um, so for most of these firms, by far the choice is the is the sim approach. And for the smaller firms, um, they typically have this implemented and maintained by a third party. So with regard to sim, uh, what types of collateral can be used in satisfying sim and what are some of the complexities? So um, regulations determine the type of securities that counterparties may utilize. So many firms put additional restrictions, however, in place based on internal risk control policy. This is typically referred to as setting up a collateral schedule. Uh, that's, a, that's a contract, if you will, that specifies the type of collateral, collateral you're willing to accept from counterparties and vice versa. Generally, initial margin will be, will be requested in the form of highly rated securities, such as government bonds, corporate bonds, and to a smaller degree, major equities and equity indices. Variation margin is generally posted in cash. Uh, in general, the collateral schedule is required negotiation, typically around the acceptability of the asset itself, particularly if parties wish to make collateral eligibility more restrictive than provided for under 
the relevant regulatory regimes. One of the other complexities is, um, and uh, I sometimes hate this phrase, cheapest to deliver, but when delivering collateral, collateral more often than not, if a certain type of collateral is acceptable, then a party will look to optimize and deliver the cheapest type of collateral that satisfies the contract. So for more sophisticated firms, there are whole setups or arrangements uh, to, to calculate this on an ongoing basis. This is more difficult to, to optimize if you're a smaller institution and there are third parties um, that, uh, that have uh, facilities that, that can help you to do this um, if, uh, if you don't have the capacity in-house. Great. And in your answer to the first question, you highlighted how SIM came about due to the losses during the financial crisis of 2008. And if you fast forward to this year, what is your view on how SIM performed during COVID? Yeah, I, I, I love that question. Um, as, uh, because as market vol volatility increased, we, we really saw a, um, the risk models in the cleared OTC space um, or the cleared markets adjust rapidly to ensure firms were adequ adequately covering their risk. But um, on the bi bilateral side, those firms that were using ISDA-SIM uh, experienced something quite different. Uh, because SIM was designed to be conservative, uh, recall that it, uh, it was calibrated on the past three years of historical data and one year of market stress. Uh, and that market stress period is currently the 2008-2009 financial crisis. So with that level of conservatism, um, it was designed to, to avoid the risk of being uh, pro-cyclical. In other words, to ensure that margin requirements don't suddenly hike during a period of stress, uh, putting pressure on market participants. Instead, that inherent conservatism means there's a safety buffer built in uh, so that the margin requirements are much more st stable over time. So as a simple example, uh, there was a recent study performed on a uh, synthetic portfolio that had rates, FX, equity, commodity, and credit components to it. And there were in these back tests um, over the COVID, COVID period, there were exceedances, and that means that the initial margin that was put into place uh, wasn't enough to cover the margin period of risk. So there were exceedances in some asset categories, um, so exceptions in some asset categories, but in total, uh, the portfolio performed well with zero, um, with zero exceptions meaning that um, the, the offsets, so a rate versus a commodity or the hedges in total performed very well. And this is in line with uh, the experience of uh, market participants over that period of time. So thanks, Kevin. And you know what, if you don't mind one more question, and that would be um, given the intricacies of model risk management and the aspects of SIM, what model validation issues have you seen with SIM and can you provide any insights? Yeah, well, SIM is a model. So all of the, all of the requirements of, of the um, OCC 
guidance and the Federal Reserve Board guidance uh, apply to, to, to SIM, um, whether it's the ISDA SIM model or the uh, in-house built initial, initial margin model. So all of those requirements still, still hold. With the ISDA SIM, some of the biggest issues are with ensuring that the data quality um, is uh, that the data uh, has quality and that the Greeks are calculated in line with the ISDA requirements. So making sure that if you have uh, in the interest rate component, the various buckets that you're computing the, the, uh, the, the deltas, the gammas, the vegas correctly and putting them in the right buckets. Um, and then last but not least, it's important to, to ensure that you're really accounting for the risk. And that means that um, uh, the back testing performed well, that it's monitored on a regular basis, and that um, exceedances are, or exceptions are, are analyzed to determine whether there are systematic problems in the model. Uh, and these systematic problems will typically fall into the, the Greek production category, but they may be uh, in correlations as well, which would um, be information that would have to go back to, to SIM and um, as a part of their analysis, or I'm sorry, go back to ISDA, uh, and that would become a part of their analysis to see if there needs to be updates to their models. So, so in, in summary, everything that you would do for uh, in line with current regulatory guidance really applies to, to SIM. The extra wrinkle is um, comparing um, the requirements or making sure that you're adhering to the requirements when it's an ISDA SIM model validation. Great, thanks again, Kevin, and thanks for your insights and for joining me today. And I look forward to next month's discussion as we continue our monthly series on the challenges of model risk management.